so glad you could join us for mornings at YCVC today. We want to thank you for being a part of our online family and we hope that this message encourages you, blesses you and helps you grow in your walk with Him. So let's get into the Word. Uh, good morning. Uh, my name is Nick. It's my privilege to be the pastor here at Yas Community Baptist Church. Uh, welcome those in the building, welcome online, welcome to those who are worshipping in the car this morning. got a message from someone this morning. Uh, they were on their way and, and couldn't make it because they had to go off and do something else, but they're worshipping from the car. Uh, the beauty of Montec. I think they're listening, not watching, I hope, uh, is the thing. Um, all right. Um, a couple of things, I, uh, well, one thing I want to uh, mention this morning uh, before I, I pray and we get into the, uh, this passage um, is, is just a little encouragement uh, I feel God wants to give us as a church this morning uh, and, and as individuals. And um, so some time ago on our, on our, um, in our backyard, we planted uh, four citrus trees and they haven't grown too much, uh, but at least they're leafy and I water them and uh, do the best that I can to, to take care of them. And uh, so, but there's one of them that just has kind of had no leaves on it, it's dropped off, and I'm the optimist, so I'm always like, no, it's, it's got this one leaf on it, it's going to sprout, it's going to come to life, and I said to my wife, Christy, uh, I think just two days ago, I'm willing to accept that I think that tree is dead now, that it is not going to come to life. Um, but even that, on that same day, though, I, I watered it like I did the other trees, uh, in an act of hope, I guess, uh, and this morning, after all the rain we've had, uh, I had to take some stuff to our shed uh, that had been in the house, and, and I thought, I'll just go have a look at the trees. And on that tree that I'd finally accepted was dead is a whole bunch of new shoots. Uh, and, I, and I felt like this morning, as I was thinking about that, that God wanted us, uh, wanted me to say to the whole church, uh, the thing that you think is dead, look again. The thing that you had hoped for, that you've believed for, that you'd, you'd wanted in your life. I'm not saying, oh, it's definitely going to happen and, and to give you false hope. But I feel like God's just saying to us, the thing that you thought had died, look again. And maybe there's some new shoots on that. And so that's not what this morning's message is about. Uh, but if that's uh, what you take away from this morning, then praise God. I think that's what he wants us to hear. Uh, I'm going to pray and then we are going to jump into God's word this morning. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you are good. I thank you that we don't need to fully understand you and know everything about you to put our trust in you and to know that you are good. But I do pray this morning that you would give us deeper understanding, deeper knowledge, deeper wisdom about what it means to know you and follow you and trust you. And so I pray that through my words and through your spirit at work in this room that you would uh, give us that deeper understanding, that, that renewed encouragement, that fresh knowledge that transforms us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Uh, so throughout January, and this is the, the last Sunday of January, uh, we've been looking at uh, Paul's letter to the Galatian church, or the book of Galatians. And uh, so this morning we're kind of jumping across chapter 5 and, and chapter 6, grabbing a few bits of that. Uh, and so, of course, I'm not going to be able to spend time on everything this morning uh, in that. I, I just want to, I guess, give a highlights reel or, or what I feel like God's bringing to the surface when I studied that. Uh, during the week and to share with us. Uh, but I don't, I don't know about you, I guess the example I, I wanted to give, because I, I don't want you to go away from this morning and think, oh, that's what chapter 5 and 6 has to say and that's all there is to it. 
Uh, there's much more there uh, than what we're going to have time for this morning. And, and so I don't know about you, but um, sometimes when I watch a movie or, or a series uh, on TV that's meant to be a true story, um, I want to know more afterwards. And so it's not uncommon then for after the show for me to pull out my phone and jump onto Wikipedia, uh, the source of all earthly knowledge in a sense, uh, to go, oh, what about that was true? What about that? Uh, was, what, what was true about that is not in uh, the movie. Uh, I want to know more if it's something that grabbed me. And so I, my, that's my hope for us this morning is that you are blessed by, by what I feel like God has me share this morning, but, but also that you, you don't kind of wrap it up in a bow and put this, this Bible, your Bible, whether it's on your phone or in a book, away on the shelf and think that's all there is to it. My hope this morning is that through my words and through uh, hopefully the Holy Spirit stirring that, you go, ah, oh, I want to look more into that. I want to know more. I, I want to be blessed more by God's word. And so we are wrapping up Galatians this morning. Next week, we're, as Christy said, it's Vision Sunday. We're going to be talking about a new season. Uh, but this week, Galatians 5 and 6. So Galatians is all about the gospel. Uh, and so this week's message, as I say, if you're a note taker and you want to put a heading at the top of your notes, this week's message is set free. That's the title. Because the gospel sets us free. The good news about Jesus Christ, his death on the cross for us, his resurrection to, to new life for us, the gospel sets us free. It sets us free from sin. It sets us free from slavery. It sets us free from from death, as Jesus said in his life, even though we may die, we'll never truly die because we'll be with him forever in the resurrection. And so the gospel sets us free. And so this week, we're going to be talking about freedom, but freedom is a powerful word. And it's a powerful concept. So like last week when we were talking about identity, I, I had us have a little bit of a look about well, what, what forms our identity other than the gospel, other than the good news, other than Jesus, so we can have an understanding of what baggage we carry that we need to kind of get rid of to embrace our identity in Jesus. This week I want us to think about well, what ideas, what images do we have in our world that shape our concept of freedom? The movie must be 30 years old or so by now, and William Wallace even older, but not many of us can hear that word freedom without some part of us going, freedom, and thinking about the movie Braveheart. And that shapes kind of one concept of freedom, or it's shaped by one concept of freedom, which is about brandishing a sword and fighting the English to get your freedom back, or fighting whatever it is for your freedom. That's kind of one shape of freedom that we have in our society. We have political ideals of a free country, whatever that means. Again, going back even older than Braveheart, the Rolling Stones, and if you're thinking I'm old, yes, I might be old, but I'm, the Rolling Stones are old even for me. But they have a song about freedom, and I'm not going to sing it, and I'm not even going to read it all for you, but it includes lines like this, I'm free to do what I want any old time. I'm free any old time to get what I want. I'm free to choose what I please any old time. I'm free any old time to get what I want. Yes, I am. I think that captures a sense of what, humanly speaking, worldly speaking, we think of when we think of freedom. It's I get to do whatever I want. I get whatever I want. I can have 
whatever I want. I can be whoever I want to be. That is, that is one powerful concept of freedom in our world. And so what I want to do this morning is to, to take those concepts of freedom, and you might think of other ones this morning about, about what, what kind of ideals, what images of freedom exist in our world, to take them and examine them under the microscope. Is, is it gospel-shaped freedom that we have in our hearts and our minds when we think about freedom, or is it more of a worldly ideal of freedom? Is it Jesus-shaped Is it gospel-shaped? Is it Bible-shaped? Is it God-shaped freedom that we think of when we we hear the words freedom? When we think about being set free? Or is it just a worldly ideal of freedom? So the Apostle Paul wrote to the church in a region called Galatia. That's why at the top of the page it says Galatians. A couple thousand years ago, he wrote, It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Mark my words, I, Paul, tell you that if you let yourself be circumcised, Christ will be of no value to you at all. Again, I declare to every uh, man who lets himself be circumcised that he is obliged to obey the whole law. And so this act that Paul is talking about here is an act of the flesh. It's an act of following the the Jewish law. And as we've talked about through Galatians, this was something that some believed you had to do in order to be saved, in order to be fully part of God's people. And so the Apostle Paul is saying, if you do that in the hope that somehow you'll be made more holy by doing that, then Jesus is of no value for you. Then you're not truly set free. In fact, you've embraced yet another form of slavery. You've jumped from slavery to sin to slavery to a set of rules. And so relying on the flesh, relying on what we can do, whether it's this act that Paul is talking about here, or whether it's kind of ticking the boxes of religiosity, whatever it is, if it's relying on our work to do to satisfy God, then we're not truly free. We've, we've jumped out of the frying pan and into the fire. We've jumped out of the frying pan of slavery to sin and brokenness and into the fire of legalistic box ticking of slavery to that. And if we're relying on our flesh, we'll never be enough and we'll never be free. And so the good news is that Jesus has set us free so that we might be free. And so Paul says, stand firm in that freedom. Don't let yourselves be burdened again by another form of slavery. Now the kind of slavery that Paul was talking about with that particular act was a a kind of legalism slavery. And you'll find this very much throughout the world today. You'll find it in the church, the kind of slavery that is legalism. Legalism is a slavery that tells you you have to do X, Y, Z, 1, 2, 3, B plus C, whatever, a list of rules that you have to do to be saved. That's legalism slavery. But there are other kinds of slavery that exist for us. There's the slavery of insecurity. There's a slavery of sin. There's a slavery of of living by social media likes. Anything that traps us is a form of slavery. 
So here Paul's talking about circumcision, he's talking about legalism, but the big point for us today, because not many of us are in this where where we're feeling pressured to get that physical act done that Paul's talking about, but what Paul is mostly talking about is not circumcision, he's talking about not allowing ourselves to be entrapped in some form of slavery when Jesus has set us free. And so the good news of the gospel is that Jesus has set us free. The imperative, the the instruction of this passage is to live in, to stand in that freedom, to not be pulled aside to a form of slavery. And so the Apostle Paul says, jumping down to verse 6, For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. The, The things that we do in the flesh have no value. The boxes we tick have no value. The legalistic rules we tick have no value. The social media likes that we might get for our post or the likes that we don't get or the thumbs down that we get, they have no value. All that matters, he says in verse 6. The only thing that counts is faith, that is in the gospel, in Jesus, expressing itself through love. And so the things that that seek to enslave us have no value. The only thing that counts is the gospel of Jesus that sets us free. All that matters is faith in him. And so as I said, the instruction is to stand firm in that. You'll have a thousand voices in your head and in the world telling you that you must do this. You have to do that in order to be right with God, or in order to be accepted by other people. And so the Apostle Paul says, don't allow any form of slavery to hold you captive. And so in this passage, you can almost hear the shout of freedom! The call to arms to fight for freedom. The Apostle Paul also says much to the church in these chapters about the shape that that freedom should take. And so the question is, but but what does freedom look like? Is it what the Rolling Stones talk about? Is it what William Wallace fought for? What is a gospel-shaped freedom? When that verse I just read is, is a big arrow pointing towards what it looks like and then Paul unpacks it more in the the rest of the passage but in Galatians chapter 5 verse 6 maybe you already caught it he says the only thing that counts is faith and then he says expressing itself through love faith expressing itself through love and so the big idea here is that unless freedom is faith lived out in love for others It is not gospel-shaped freedom. Let me say that again. Unless freedom, unless what we understand and seek to have as freedom, unless it is faith lived out in love for others, it is not gospel-shaped freedom. Paul picks up this idea a little bit down the page in verse 13, and he says, You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. Amen. But do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. 
And so people had come into the church at Galatia and says, yeah, it's great that you believe in Jesus, but you have to fulfill the law and the law equals get this physical act done to the males. I promised I'd use the word not too often this morning, so I've passed my count. Uh, And so they're, they're thinking law, 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 we've got to tick the boxes of the law. And so the Apostle Paul says, well, the law is summed up in this. Love your neighbor as yourself. You're called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge your flesh. Because if that's where we go when we're free, then we're not really free. We're just a slave to our own skin. We're a slave to our own needs, our own desires, our own wants. We're slaves to selfishness. If where we go when we're free is, I'm going to do what I want, I'm going to get what I want, then it's not really freedom. See, freedom in a gospel-shaped way is freedom to love others. It's freedom to serve others. It's freedom to love your neighbor as yourself. In verse 15, Paul says, If you bite and devour each other, watch out. You'll be destroyed by each other. And so if the kind of freedom we live is self-focused, we end up biting and devouring each other. Because we end up with warring freedoms. I can't be free unless I occupy this space. And so whenever your freedoms get into my space, we need to be at war and we end up eating up each other's freedom space. And so if my freedom is Jesus-shaped, if it's gospel-shaped, my freedom should not devour the freedom of another. I was thinking about an example of this. Um, I remembered when we... Remember that time we weren't allowed to sing in church? It was only about seven years long and it finished last week or something like that. But um, I remember the first couple Sundays when uh, we were allowed to sing and, and I was excited and that. And I love to, you know, slip in because there's spaces between the words and I love to throw in a few, yes, Jesus, into that space. Because as the first week's back, you know, we'd be singing the song and there'd be a pause between lines and I'd be like, Jesus! And, and, um, and we say in this church... Uh, and I believe this, this is true, that you are free to worship how you feel led. You're free to worship God, you're free to worship Jesus how you feel led. And so I was free to, Jesus! But I got some feedback from those around me that, that when they were trying to just be in the presence of the Lord and there was this big hairy guy next, Jesus, they were, whoa, they, were, they, were, they were shocked out of being free in their own worship. See, what I was doing with my freedom was indulging my desire just to shout the name of Jesus. I could do that outside anytime I want. And, and uh, The thing is, my freedom was impacting on someone else's freedom to worship as they wished. So I had to turn the volume down. See, Jesus can hear me no matter how loud I am. And so my use of my freedom was indulging my desires, but it was kind of biting off chunks of someone else's freedom. Now, the people around me, they weren't wowzers who were trying to stifle the spirit of worship. They were just sharing how they felt. And so I think the the concepts of freedom we have in the world today, the, the ones that we kind of naturally live out as fallen human beings are ones that that bite and devour other people's freedoms. 
we tend to focus on my rights at the expense of another. But that's not freedom, that's selfishness. See, true freedom contends for the freedom of another. If I'm really free, that I contend for and I make space for the freedom of another. What I fundamentally believe about freedom and and gospel-shaped freedom is that it should be Jesus-shaped. And so what I fundamentally believe about freedom is that Jesus nailed to the cross is the ultimate image of freedom. That, that, That moment that looks like the least free a person could be is the ultimate expression of what freedom really is for us. Because Jesus is free from sin yet freely choosing to bear our sin. He's free from any power over him. Yes, in the humanness of that situation, it looks like he's subject to the power of Roman soldiers and nails in his hands and, and, and accusers saying that he should be crucified. But, but as Jesus himself said, none of them would have had power over him unless it was offered up to them by him. So he's free from any power over him. He's absolutely free from selfishness. He's absolutely free from any need to feed the desires of his own flesh. And so he's free to give himself up for others. And so if Jesus is the perfect image of what it means to be free, then I fundamentally believe that that moment of the cross is the ultimate expression of freedom. Now that does not mean that for us to be nailed to the cross means that we're free but what it does mean is that if we're to be free like Jesus is free, then, then it means being free of the slavery of sin over our life, that, that doing work with the Holy Spirit to, to break those strongholds of sin. It means being free of, of selfishness and a desire to in, indulge the flesh. It means being free to give ourselves and to serve others. In verse 13, which we've already read, The Apostle Paul says, You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. And so love is the shape of the freedom Christ has set us free to live. And so whatever ideals of freedom we might have, whatever ideals we walked into the room with this morning, unless our images of freedom are Jesus-shaped, We've settled for a mockery of true freedom. We've settled for a counterfeit of true freedom. We've settled for something that is less than the freedom that the gospel brings. Because the freedom the gospel brings is love-shaped. And so Paul gives us two pictures in the rest of kind of these chapters around what living freedom out looks like and and because we're human the image we kind of grab to is is that you know rolling stones i'm free to do whatever i want i'm free to indulge my flesh he he gives us two kind of pictures of how how that kind of freedom and how a gospel shaped jesus shaped freedom works out and so in verse 16 and, and 25 he talks about living according to the flesh or or living according to the to the spirit and so this is Stepping beyond what Alex read for us this morning in verse 16. Paul says, So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. 
We're talking about the Holy Spirit, God's Spirit here. They are in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and every envy, drunkenness, orgies and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. And so the Apostle Paul makes clear that the kind of freedom that Jesus has set us free to live is not freedom to do whatever you want. He says that the acts of selfishness of of flesh are obvious and they don't lead to the kingdom of God. But he says in verse 22, but the fruit of the Spirit is love. Joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with his passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. And so freedom is to live by the Spirit, not by the desires of the flesh. Because flesh and the Holy Spirit of God are in conflict with one another. And when I say flesh, I don't mean that everything about our body is bad. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible talks about, it's talking about the carnal desires, the, the me, me, me desires of the flesh here, are in opposition to what the Holy Spirit would want. And so spirit-led freedom then is not freedom indulging the flesh. It's a life focused on the spirit, not on the destructive behaviours that our desires might lead us to. And and so this is the first picture that the Apostle Paul gives of of what kind of living out freedom looks like. He he talks about, well, our flesh and the Holy Spirit, that, 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 you know, we might think freedom and think, oh, I'm going to do whatever I want. He says that the desires of the flesh and some of these kind of acts of the flesh might seem a bit full on for us this morning. Think, oh, gee, I'm not doing any of that. The Apostle Paul is saying, well, that's the trajectory If you think freedom is what I want, that's the trajectory of indulging the flesh when we're free. It's leading in the opposite direction of God. And so he says, live by the Spirit of God. Lift your eyes up and be led by the Holy Spirit. You don't need laws to do that. If you're focused on the Spirit, if you're seeking to keep in step with God's Holy Spirit, then it leads to love, joy, peace, forbearance, Well, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And there's no law against such things. Nor can any law make you produce such things. And so that's the first picture. Flesh versus spirit. And then in verse, uh, chapter 6, verse 7 to 10, he says, Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A person reaps what they sow. And so he says, Whoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the spirit from the spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as you have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially those who belong to the family of believers. And so the second picture is one of sowing and reaping. And we have a few uh, farmers in the church community, and, and the rest of us are wise enough to know that if you sow weeds, you get weeds. If you sow garbage you get garbage if you sow wheat 
you've got a good chance you might get wheat. I mean, you need to tend to it. If you sow barley, you'll get barley. You, you, you reap what you sow. What you sow into the ground directly determines the kind of, of fruit or grain that it will produce. And so in a sense here, the Apostle Paul is saying, well, yeah, you kind of are free to do whatever you want. But that doesn't remove this dynamic that, that what you sow is what you get back. If you sow from the Spirit, if you sow seeking to please God, you reap eternal life. Not through works, not through effort. We've been over that enough. And eternal life here is not ultimately, yes, we believe by faith that we, once this life is wound up, that we will be raised and live eternally in the presence of God. That's, that's a foundational Christian belief. But, but eternal life here is not so much talking about, about that, it's talking about this life, the, the life eternal, the life overflowing, the, the blessed life, the joy-filled life in Jesus. And, and so if we sow in a way that is pleasing to God's Holy Spirit, that's the kind of life that we reap. If we sow to seek selfish gain, then that might work out for a while. But ultimately what we reap is destruction. And so we're called to be free. Apostle Paul says, you, my brothers and sisters, are called to be free. And so the question this morning is, what shape of freedom are we going to live out? Are we going to buy into the world's idea of freedom, which is more like, Slavery to selfishness, which is biting and devouring one another, warring freedoms, doing what I want, indulging me. Are we, are we going to allow the world's image of freedom to get in on that is for freedom that Christ has set you free and grab onto? Yes, that's the kind of freedom I want. Or are we going to seek to live a Jesus-shaped freedom? Where we're free to love, free to give, free to serve, free to sow and free to reap the life overflowing that Jesus is calling us to step into. And so I began by inviting you to take your perspective of freedom and, and place it under the microscope. If you're like me, when you do that, then there's bits of it that are like, yeah, that's, that's Jesus-shaped, but there's this bit over here that, you know... When I'm on my own and my wife and kids are out of town, I just want to eat junk food, indulging that part of my flesh. That's, that's not really Jesus-shaped. It's pretty shallow, surface-level illustration there. But if you're like me, there's probably parts of what you think of when you think, yeah, set free by Jesus, that a gospel-shaped or Jesus-shaped. And there's other parts of it that aren't. And so my heart this morning, and I believe God's heart and the heart of the Apostle Paul when he wrote this, was that we would not settle for counterfeit versions of freedom. That ultimately really just bind us in slavery and never set us free. But that we would stand firm in 
that we would embrace and take our stance in true Jesus-shaped freedom. Because though other things may like to use that word, that's the only kind of freedom that's actually free. And so, Heavenly Father, I pray this morning that as we wind up this series on Galatians, that we would settle for no other gospel. That we would not accept any system of rules or boxes to tick or anything of the flesh as a means to be approved by you. May we gain our identity shaped by the gospel as children of God. And may we step into and stand firm in true Jesus-shaped freedom. And so as I pray and as we sing in a moment, I pray that you would reshape our concept of freedom. May we be filled with the desire for true Jesus-shaped freedom. And a distaste for anything that the world would call free. May we settle for nothing less than true freedom freedom in Jesus. And it's in his wonderful, beautiful, powerful name we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.
Thanks for joining us today. As you head back into your week, we want to encourage you to stay in His Word, stay in His love, and stay strong in your faith. Don't forget to keep up to date with what's happening via Facebook, Instagram, or via our website at ycbc.church. See you soon.